Hello and welcome to another episode of Media Literate, a collaborative podcast where a bunch of grad students have a collective existential crisis about the validity, sustainability, and future of our industry. We're mm-hmm. fine. Don't worry about it. I feel My like name's these timelines can only get more depressing. My name's Laura Broman. Oh yeah, no, we're doing um. The, the, the field is doing fine doing and we are fine. doing fine. In yes. It. Um, yep. Yeah. So if you were into that sort of thing, 20 somethings uh, trying not to go into debt and <laughs> crying a little bit, uh, well, you yeah, should yeah. subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. You can listen on Spotify, Stitcher, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera, et cetera. But Apple will download our episodes every week onto your phone, first of all. Um, and you can rate and review us there, mm-hmm. yes. which helps with the algorithm. We're trying okay. to do all this business stuff up top. Uh, it's not the most fun, but I assume- We don't have cute you're... things to say about it, but yeah. <laughs> we can be cute. Like, yeah. Oh, rate and review. Also, if you do rate and review us, we will read your review out loud at the beginning of the next episode. So I do give like us that five idea. stars. And make it nice and funny. If you want to be funny, that would be mm-hmm. more entertaining for this bit if we, uh, you know. Yeah, you can actually a... like totally tear into us. As long as you mm. give the show a five-star rating, you can say whatever mean <laughs> shit you want about, um, let me speak for myself. Like, I don't want to lower Laura's self-esteem uh, with, with internet comments. Yeah. No, it's fragile enough as it is. Come on. <laughs> so wow. this episode, we are going to have Anne on again, Anne Zhang, to talk about the archive. I know this is shocking for anyone who has heard mm-hmm. her on the show before. <laughs> this this lady likes the archive. Um, yes. And the sustainability and future of what archiving is going to look like. Mm-hmm. But <sighs> before we get to that, uh... it's time for cannon fodder that was really that was really i was adorable. trying to put some oomph into it i saw i saw yeah. that i saw the oomph. uh you Thank guys you. didn't get to see this but but Laura's hopefully they heard up. it the heart was in the the heart was in the <laughs> oomph anyway all right so what did you watch this week laura <laughs> okay so this is one that is like i don't know if it's really a part of what we call the canon but it is truly embarrassing that I haven't seen it. I actually haven't seen any Guillermo del Toro movies. So whoa, 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 whoa! Not a single one. Not, not even Pacific Rim. Not even Pacific Rim. Nope. I, oh. I just, it's just a hole that needed to be filled. And <laughs> last night, baby, I filled it. Um, wow. Wow. Uh, okay. So uh, okay. I watched. What <laughs> is in the room? <laughs> I watched Pan's Labyrinth, um, and. I didn't love it and I felt so bad for not loving it. That makes sense. I think you probably should. I think that I, everybody I know that I've talked to is so like loves it so much. And it does the thing that we talked about actually at the beginning of this podcast season, which was, you know, Colton's episode about the like monsters alongside the things that they represent like if you look at the you know the font mm-hmm. it's like there's like shades of fascism and then also you have actual fascism um wow and I so I liked that I thought it was you know it's beautiful it's you know he really does have a, a quality about him from the very little bits and pieces that I've seen of other movies mm-hmm. uh, of just kind of 
having just a perfect like symbiosis between all the different all the different elements of filmmaking work so beautifully together cinematography editing music it's just Mm -hmm. such a beautiful um like image and sound coming together uh I don't know why I didn't emotionally connect with it I think it was because the previous night I'd watched one of the most upsetting and disturbing movies I'd ever seen before for a class I just wasn't (laughs) in the mood for like something about fascism and like child death and stuff um but you know, uh, I think I actually, I just today <laughs> just finished watching um, The Man in the Iron Mask. And oh, yeah, in that terms is of also movies that like, you know, like I, one of the things we did was like, I don't know, like, isn't isn't Pan's Labyrinth kind of like it's very simple, you know, like that, that it's a very simple morality. And is that really what we need? And I watched Man in the Iron Mask and it's like, oh, but there's better and worse ways to do that kind of simple morality. And like, Pan's, <laughs> so it watching a worse movie made me remember that actually like no that was that was good that was that was yeah. good stuff it yeah was, the, was the bar is actually in fact quite a bit lower right. um we also <laughs> watched Candyman, um which uh, i yeah. think it suffers from a similar thing where it's like you are you're taking a lot of big very complex issues and trying to hit all of that with one pretty simple like morality tale it movie was, was... and it doesn't work but then you got to remember like it's been done worse uh, it has. and like we'll take <laughs> yes. a I'll take a middle middle of the line middle mm-hmm. of the row middle mm-hmm. track I don't know yeah. um any day mm-hmm. yeah I think that like I don't it, this is interesting because sometimes like with Reservoir Dogs I was like you know I, you know, I know how you I know how you it's feel like about I, Reservoir I don't Dogs. like yes. it and I don't uh-huh. think people should like it I've gotten more hardline about that as this time has gone on, but, and then there's movies where it's like, yes, it does live up to the hype, like Seven Samurai. Um, and then there's movies where it's like, you know, you don't, like, maybe you haven't heard of this or you haven't appreciated it enough, but you should definitely watch it, like set it off. And this is a movie where like, I didn't like it that much. I didn't love it, but I uh-huh. don't think you should listen to me. This is one of the problems with like criticism, <laughs> I think. Like you kind of put your faith and trust in somebody like completely arbitrarily telling you whether or not you'd like a movie it's like which no. hey guys no 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 continue to place your trust in us yes. arbitrarily continue to appreciate this segment I just yes <laughs> in this case I understand that my judgment should not be applied to everybody's case because people a lot of people really love it and it was beautiful I have a lot mm. of you know so I, this I, is sort of like a don't yuck your yum I don't want to yuck kind people's of. pen's labyrinth yum I think part of it is that I always get pen's labyrinth confused with labyrinth like the David Bowie movie and so I just like inherently uh, yeah, yeah. just even though I know they're separate I'm like but where is David Bowie and his enormous cod piece like <laughs> where is that the whole time so yeah that's what that's what pan's labyrinth is missing more <laughs> more penises uh <laughs> All right. Well, I took it exactly where I always do. <laughs> the phallus. Um, but you guys will be happy to hear that this episode, I mean, you might be, you might be very disappointed to hear that this episode will not contain any psychoanalytic uh, talk from me. It will all be, I mean, uh, let's, do you think let's I'll not. fit it in? Do you think you'll, do you think you'll get to squeeze it in? Um... Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> You already, you stepped on the double entendre mind at the beginning of this episode, all right? Don't act like I'm the one who's who's bringing all of the accidental innuendo I'm here to this for, pod. I'm, we'll, we'll, we're doubling the double entendre. We'll, we should go for the quadruple entendre. 
<laughs> oh man, that hilarious sentence or phrase just reminded me that we don't have a segue set up for this. Um, Damn it. Something, something futurity, something, uh-huh. something um, in the future. Yes. Of Teleology. Episode. Yes. Um. You'll hear about our next subject. Cool. Come back to listen to us. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
what you're saying, look, I might argue that a library is an archive, <laughs> but it sounds at the very least like a squares versus rectangles thing. Like yeah. some rectangles are squares, but squares, not Square. all squares are rectangles. No, all squares no. are rectangles, not all rectangles are squares. Yes. That is what correct. the fuck I meant. That's Thank what I hear, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got my back. I appreciate it. I that may a lot. not know a lot, but I know the difference between a square and a rectangle. I'm so sorry. Unlike some of us, I guess, the shade <laughs> is, is being cast. That's fine. Um, okay, so library, maybe an archive. Yes. Instagram. Is well, that an archive? It did. So if you're to say Instagram as an app, uh-huh. maybe no, mm-hmm. in my definition, this is also all personal definitions. If you're saying Instagram as a whole, maybe not. But if you're mm-hmm. saying, let's say um, some photographers, personal, not personal, some photographers, photography account, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. yes. What would make the difference between like, Instagram is a collective archive of like this moment in time in the world and like the images of people in this moment of time in the world. And I guess I'm just arguing with you. I didn't have to <laughs> answer that question. I'm like, <laughs> no, it, so here's, here's how I do, like usually distinguish or define it. It's just very personal. Mm-hmm. It's a personal definition. So please don't judge me. Uh, but if there's collection, if the collection has connection in there, or if you can distinguish a collection mm-hmm. out of just literally everything, then yes, I would say that's an art collection and archive. Mm-hmm. But if it's just everything, okay, so, so there has like to be curated, mm-hmm. okay. clearly, in my or opinion. like with an intention behind it. With an intention behind it gotcha. would be a good way. Because to otherwise, it. like, isn't the planet Earth just like a massive One big arc? Wow, that's philosophical. Are you high right now? <laughs> no, that was last episode. <laughs> I don't smoke in the driver's seat. I gotta. I have to actually be able to drive this conversation, <laughs> as opposed to distracting with quips about mm-hmm. uh, rolling and bar. Jingles. Okay, well, no, that bar, was. Yeah. <laughs> See, you have that a part, com- I have squares and rectangles. <laughs> and we're both doing great. Yeah. Okay, so Anne, you mentioned something earlier also about um, the idea of an archive being like private. Like if it's somebody's collection of things, that's an right. archive, but they're also public archives. So like, could you oh, yeah, go many. into the difference um, and maybe actually explain up top because this might just feel like a lot of... Uh, definition drawing for our listeners but it is kind of relevant yeah whether an archive is a private archive or a public archive right yeah well literally the definition is in the name so if a private archive is owned by and something, it's like kim you're being no <laughs> no our listeners know no, the but there, there is things. like interesting difference between them because if we're talking about film archives specifically private mm-hmm. archives are oftentimes they're just personal collections and they're not usually available for researchers or scholars to you know loan out things or to view things mm-hmm. but public archive like the ones at USC or like the ones that the um, Oscar Academy like mm-hmm. owns those archives mm-hmm. usually are public and you can actually send out an appeal or a, a, a application to actually see something that they have in collection for your own research or for just you know personal personal enjoyment, usually for research, honestly. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. private archives, not so much. But also, you know, you can also say like your 
collection of your photo is a private archive. So that's also a definition. So there's okay. a lot of way to, to define that. So when you talk about like a library isn't necessarily an archive because it, it has a public function. Like you go and you you get books. Listen, man, I'm just quoting you. We've got the okay. <laughs> like we can go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah no problem. Uh, <laughs> but the purpose of an archive and also like the idea of one being private versus public. This is just probably me being a super annoying, like millennial hippie type of like, well, then <laughs> seems like there might be an unfair power dynamic in there. But what yeah. does it mean when a an institution like the Academy or USC, even though these archives are public um, right now, they can they own that material still. They can say like, mm -hmm. actually, this is just ours now. So what is the implication of having an archive that's owned by this massive power structure that like mm -hmm. kind of the people can't access? That's a big question. And also that's what we're here for. I know, right? Uh, if you're, so here's the thing. I went back home this summer Mm -hmm. And I actually just went on like, you know, talking to different archivists and people who actually work in one of the biggest archives in China, which is the Chinese Film Archive. Oh, shit. And that is a technically a public archive. Mm -hmm. But you unless you have like research projects that's related and getting approved, you don't have access to the archive mm -hmm. technically. Mm -hmm. Or you can, you know, see their uh, seasonal screenings, which they offer a lot. Like, and they have like this film film festivals with the things that they just recently restored or preserved, like things like that. You can see those in public. So that's mm -hmm. a lot of, that's a lot of things that public archives do is it, tr it they tr at least try to bring their archives to the public and try to like mm -hmm. not advertise their collection, but to show the people, oh, this is what, this is what we're doing. This is what we own. Mm -hmm. And that one side of it is, you know, there are scholars who are like, oh, I see this film festival and I would just go to this archive and request something. And the other side is that these archives usually have a purpose. Like they are owned by some, mm -hmm. some, some are governmental institutions, some are schools, some mm -hmm. are maybe like a film collective, like the Academy. They have a purpose behind it. And their mission statement of the archive would just align with whichever power mm -hmm. that owns them technically. Mm -hmm. So that's, I would say is it's a common mission in public archives is to you know, have screenings, have talks, have a lot of like educational programs for people to come and see and also they learn things out for educate like for researchers and educators mm -hmm. but yeah so at this point we have we've got a sort of constellation building around the idea of the archive we have our our loose definitions our more exclusive definitions instagram not an archive one person's yeah. particular instagram account more of an maybe archive. um we've got power structures here like people who can claim to own this information, pretty important, and mm -hmm. can control who gets to see them. And it depends, I think, I think your mileage may vary, listeners, on this episode. If you really, really give a shit about something like a library, I think this episode's going to be super fun for you. <laughs> um, but we've, we've talked about all these different forms that archives can take, and the ways mm -hmm. that they are controlled by institutions, mm -hmm. In, which brings from, yes. yeah, which brings up the question for me, like, what is their significance in our society? And like, what is our 
as like media scholars, what is the best way for us to, to sort of construct or create an archive, to manage an archive, um, to make it something that is actually useful on a larger scale to society? So that's, do, that's can you, can you answer that? I don't think I can, but I, that's, <laughs> I mean, what if I gave question. you 20 minutes as the archive apprentice but, of uh, our, of our group, do you, are you not able to answer for every single <laughs> institutional archive on the planet? Here's the thing. That's the thing people debate since like, if ever there, cause okay. Just for our listeners, we're mostly talking about film archives. Cause that's mm-hmm. what we do, mm-hmm. but just literally since the, beginning if there is any film archives since uh honestly the the private archives existed since the beginning but public archives kind of took up after like maybe 70s or 80s depends on the country you're looking at also um but it's a rather recent things that people value the archive more than before just because you know film is not a very old art form it's like what like over 100 years not even 200 so it's not so the idea of a film archive like kind of didn't existed until people were like oh we gotta preserve some of these histories we gotta you know try to like make sure the people in the future can still see it so that's when kind of the idea of an archive of a film archive came but like I said, it really depends on the country because I am more like interested in East Asian studies. I look at Chinese cinema archives a lot, kind of a lot more, mm-hmm. but also, yeah. I think I did not answer Kim's question at all. And I just changed <laughs> the conversation. I am so sorry, but that was, that was such make an a big question. Politician. I can't wait to see. <laughs> I think it's funny. Like last episode, we were talking with Ziwei about the immediacy of digital media, like the, mm-hmm. the sense of, you know, looking through something like Instagram and like not realizing how quickly you can scroll back in time to like when you're exactly. stopping, stalking somebody or like how so much of like social media feels about like being in the, in the present moment and all that, all that junk. But like in, I don't know, I was thinking about this because on my phone, I was like, happened to scroll back all the way because I was looking for like one screenshot of something. And, you know, I got to like freshman year me and I like, these just random photos that are like not like they're not cute they're just kind of like random things like friends broke into my phone and like took funny pictures and it was like oh my god like that I the, the feeling just kind of washed over me and it was like a really mm-hmm. nice moment yeah um, well I mean that brings up a question I'm sure they're like for the most part those are really great pictures of you but there's probably some like real real duds in there and <laughs> when you are thinking hey. about the archive <laughs> This is a segue, Laura. I don't mean it. <laughs> but when you're thinking about the archive, like if if someone had to say, like, this is the image archive of Laura's life from year blank to blank, um, mm-hmm. maybe you don't want those pictures in there. Right. And or if all of the images in that archive are just like your friends taking like candid shots of you eating soup in a dining hall somewhere (laughs) like that would probably not be the most accurate representation of you (laughs) but if you are the one who is in charge of curating that archive of like this is me from these years Mm -hmm. things might look different so like what is the importance on a individual like level maybe it's not that big a deal (laughs) but when you think about a national archive or an archive I was doing some research for this project I did a little bit ago about mangoes and mm, yes, I was looking at like Caribbean and specifically Jamaican 
colonial archives of like mm-hmm. col- colonial photographs. Mm-hmm. And I was struck by what like the patterns that kept showing up in the archives. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we're going to take pictures of these construction projects. There were a lot of bridges. There were a lot of mm-hmm. churches um, and not many people for the most part, mm-hmm. um, until a certain year. And then there are more images of people. Mm-hmm. So when you start looking at who is in charge of curating these archives and who is in charge of even producing the images in the first place, how, how do we decide like what the best way to create an archive is? What, what is the best way for us to produce a representative picture of some facet of media? Who's in charge? Yeah. <laughs> Like I I'm said, sorry I keep asking you it's these a really questions. big question, but I will try to answer it in the limited knowledge I have. Stop um, selling yourself short, Anne. But yeah. that's it, it is true. This that is a huge question. And I don't I don't think there is like a set answer for that because it's not mm-hmm. gonna set aside everybody. Just it's just not happening. Like, for example, if anybody's interested, there's this book very it's rather old. I think it was published in 92. It's called Nitrate Won't Wait. I think the author is like, what's his name? Uh Anthony, Anthony Slide, maybe. Yeah, Anthony Slide. And it's a we'll it's link a good it book. in the description. Yes, we will. <laughs> uh, but he he wrote this book on the basically film archive history in the US, as mm-hmm. in, you know, the actual historical development of archives in the U.S., including public and private archives. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, like, to see how, you know, each famous archive, for example, the Library of Congress, and then Mm -hmm. later on there will be, you know, Eastman Museum and everybody else, how they change leadership and then the uh, focus would change drastically. Mm -hmm. And then, like, so what I'm trying to say is, like, a lot of times it really depends on the archivist that is in charge of curating the archive. Mm-hmm. Like it, it depends on their personal interests, but it also really depends on, you know, the mission statement of the whole institution. Mm-hmm. And that uh, like the mission statement of the institution is not something <laughs> that I think I can say like, you know, oh, this is a good mission statement or that's a bad mission statement. Some of them is more richer than the other. Some of them has like national connotations behind it. So they all focus on different things. So what an incredibly diplomatic answer. (laughs) Um, So one thing that this had me thinking about was the way that people will, you know, historians can go back and kind of remediate the archives a little bit. Like I, so I was thinking about, this book, Wayward Lives, Beautiful Experiments by Cydia Hartman, which is about the, um, uh, like, uh, Black women and queer Black women in turn of the century Philadelphia, New York. And she has this amazing, and she's just like, she's beautiful. I'm just going to read, I'm just going to read something. Okay, look, I get to read something now. Um, In this, okay. Uh, I have pressed at the limits of the case file and the documents, speculated about what might have been, imagined the things whispered in dark bedrooms, and amplified moments of withholding, escape and possibility, moments when the vision and dreams of the wayward seemed possible. So she's looking at these kind of these archive that that was taken by, you know, like um, missionaries and not missionaries, like progressives trying Mm. to like reform the like the ghettos and stuff and saying like, what's the like, what's the world that these 
uh, kind of violent documents are hiding what's like mm -hmm. what's behind mm -hmm. there. And it's it's kind of an amazing project, but it is like a reflection of the way that the historical documents that you have there are limited and um, and through an extremely like, yeah, limited and oppressive frame. Mm -hmm. That really opens up another avenue for us to talk about, which is there's the initial curation of an archive, right? That yeah. is oftentimes, especially in the history of the US, I don't know, um, the history of China as well. And but the in the history of the US, a lot of these archival projects or images are produced usually in this violent top down fashion where like, oh, what's a what's our guy? It's not Muir. It's the one with the uh, something to scope. There's a statue of him in USC. Oh, that dude. The um, yeah. yes. Mm, somebody. Fairbanks? I will as the uh, just. I will figure it out and yell it out at a very inopportune time. <laughs> <laughs> what I really hope. Here's what we're gonna do. And you edited this episode. If you felt like just cutting in the answer to this nonsense uh, I moment we're don't having, think that's gonna be like. Moybridge. Moybridge. Thank ah, you. Yes, wow. Moybridge. Maybe let's just cut out all of that. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Um, Moybridge, one of the the like first people to help develop a camera, basically a, a film camera in the way that we know it today. He was hired by um, the U.S. government to go out and take these map, like beautiful, beautiful images of the West and the landscape of the West. Um, and those moments sort of captured also like the displacement of a lot of indigenous people and and the like spaces that they were inhabiting and the lives they were living near the like sort of end of a chapter of their way of life a violent end of the chapter that was enforced by the US government and we can be like wow these images are really important they capture something um that is no longer here for reasons that mm. that we did um but does there does the initial like curation that violence does that stay with the archive or is there a way that we as like media scholars and historians can go and sort of rehabilitate or reframe those images like Sadia Hartman is doing to mm -hmm. to give humanity back to these people who were captured in such an inhumane way? I think rehabilitate is a very good word, mm. and I think the history if no one that that's the thing about archive it is about preserving everything it's not about pick and choosing mm -hmm. like curation it is part of like archival projects but I think I told Laura this one time but uh the archivist at USC Dino once said when we were having like a similar conversation mm -hmm. as this and he was like someone was like talking to him like asking him why he was like still preserving like you know the weird film format formats like you know three millimeter or nine millimeter those like people that don't even use anymore it's not mm -hmm. like in the mainstream fashion anymore and he, he was like that's we don't get to pick and choose the archivists mm -hmm. don't get to pick and choose we what we do is we preserve everything and we save them for future scholars to explore to rehabilitate to mm -hmm. remediate um archivists don't get to pick and choose it's for the future it's not basically for the past mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting and it's yeah it's a very it's a very Dino thing to say to, to be honest but 
I, uh, I wrote down when we were talking about this beforehand, I think something that what you said, Anne, which was the arc of the art of archiving uh, is not an act of being lost in the past, but of preparing for the future. Yeah. Was- yeah. Which is what I <laughs> think archive is like yeah to some extent mm-hmm. yeah but. it actually it reminds me of like you know those um in i think it's like svalbard there's the uh the seed vault that like really big seed archive of of every um every like seed you know that's on planet earth and it's just about mm. like saving that for anything that might happen in the future if you need some seeds they got seeds uh, <laughs> oh yeah i remember that it was like yeah yeah yeah, it came out um, of a warfare, right? Right. And and that, I mean, obviously the, the connection to like preparing for the future is much more clear there when it's literally like a plants. Um, but I think it that does apply to mm-hmm. media archives, definitely. Absolutely. But I, I do think Kim's point of like, you know, remembering where the root of the archive came mm-hmm. from is super important. I think no one that's, but that's also part of the archive, like preserving that part of the history and letting the future know that the violent beginning or a very like hegemonic beginning it existed is also important. And is I think is a mission of every single archive, at least public mm-hmm. archives in the world. So. And as we're talking about like archives being a mode of preparing for the future, as well as like how we view the beginnings of an archive, and produce or like retain those beginnings for future people or future users of that archive. I want to switch from our sort of like more heady topic to a very practical question about archiving, which is like, where are they going to go? Like I used to work at a library, which I'm standing by it. I think it's an archive. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I I think that's a valid point. Thank Let you, us know Anne. in Apple podcast reviews. Do you think libraries are archives? <laughs> yes. Get real heated about it. I can't <laughs> wait. Um, but at this library I used to work at, we were undergoing a pretty intense project of like thinning out the stacks because we had too many books and it's one building, you know? Um, we tend to think of space is like, a, you know, we'll just build it higher. I don't know. We'll never run out. But eventually we're going to run out of space to hold the things that people in the past created um and how do we like physically preserve both the content of the archives and the archival like buildings like what is literally holding these archives um or is there a different way of archiving that we can go into that's what a lot of uh, honestly archives are exploring right now because digitization, especially after the pandemic or during, since we're still in it technically, um, this, these like past two years, like a lot of digitization happened. Like things that were not digitized were digitized, like mm-hmm. to put online for like online programs for people who, you know, that we can't go outside anymore, especially I'm mostly thinking about the Eastman Museum, which they did a lot of online programming during the past like year during a pandemic. And they showed a lot of the collections um, to people online, which they usually don't do when they were, you know, operating offline. So Mm -hmm. digitization is kind of where it is heading in my opinion, but also, you know, there's always benefit to a physical archive and the physical films, physical original documents in the archive. So mm-hmm. I always, personally, I always stand by a physical archive because I think no nothing can replace that. 
digitization is never going to replace the physical thing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's, you sound kind of like the last dinosaur, like staring up at the sky as the fucking meteor comes down. It's like, ah, that's not going to be an issue. Well, well, I actually, I had a really interesting conversation with Dino the Archivist about this as well. We all love Dino the Archivist. He's cool. Yeah. I've never met Um, Dino the Archivist and I feel incredibly left out. Please introduce Um, me. But um, he, um, he was saying, you know, one of the things about having a physical non-digitized piece of film is you can if you know how to read it you can gain a lot of information from it like he was talking about um these uh, like videos of like union protests in LA in like the 40s I think and um or something like that Uh, I don't remember but Mm. the point is um he could tell (laughs) looking at the film like you know what did this cut in the in the video happen because of like because that was where like they ran out of film and had to like put a new reel in or is it because it's where they stopped filming or is it because yep. they that was like a like an edit that was an, an intentional edit and those are three different things they tell three different mm-hmm. stories mm-hmm. and um and that's like especially for a documentary piece like that was what you know it was a it was documentary footage of this union movement that's like can give you a lot of information that's what you're looking for so um there is a going going back to last episode like a an importance to the physical element of film absolutely mm-hmm. that does deserve to be preserved i think mm-hmm. i agree and like we're all library gremlins bookworms etc cetera, etc cetera. archive trolls if you will but i what if i'm gonna play the doubles advocate right now oh i'm so sorry <laughs> do it so someone's like hey man look there's not like we're running out of space we we have the overpopulation global warming etc cetera, etc cetera. like we need affordable housing we need this we need that i don't want to hold like a if thousand buildings ever- <laughs> archive is Archives ever are- in the way of affordable housing i would be happy because that means archives gains that much attention anyway, <laughs> um well okay so sort of there's that very like progress oriented view that like look man everything's gonna be on the internet like you might as well make it like put it on the internet and then once it's there why are we using this space a finite resource we will run out of space on planet earth eventually um why are we using it for like old film stock well laura's point that she Mm -hmm. just said has a point i think but also on top of that yeah i wasn't listening to laura i guess (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) i'll pay more attention thanks Anne. anyone who's like ouch (laughs) whatever anyone who's like oh yes physical films retain physical information that's not gonna be on digital i'm like yes that's the Mm -hmm. truth but anyway on top of that i would say also like we never thought about like the digital waste or like Mm -hmm. you know the things that digital archives or digital files might you know contain or entail um like think just think about okay think about dcp what does that mean yeah dcp is so you know how the the theaters that we have today the cinemas we have today Mm -hmm. they project Mm -hmm. films but they don't project film prints anymore they Mm -hmm. project out of a digital file and that's called dcp and what does dcp stand for digital cinema package i believe okay okay um and they project out of that and it's kind of like film prints but they're just digital files they're essentially hard drives but they contain informations that are more complicated than you know your blu-ray or Mm -hmm. your like usb file can contain Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. so they 
basically suits the um the theater with mm-hmm. you know sometimes they have dolby sometimes with 4k anyway complicated oh, dolby digital hey yes that's kind of a- like that yeah yeah, yeah. It always scared me when they would play like the Dolby logo and and like theme song or whatever in the theater because it would. There was this part where it would go Dolby, (laughs) like hair, and it would like the sound would go stereo from one end of the theater to the other end, and it was just like the most chilling ASMR experience. (laughs) My God, I was haunted. It's immersive, Kim. It's immersive. (laughs) You're immersed in the in, in the, nightmares. The logo, yeah, <laughs> Dolby. But yeah, but th- those information are retained in the DCP, mm-hmm. it, which mm-hmm. is the stand- standard projection um, format that we have today. And those are literally hard drive files that mm. the film production company or actually distribution company that will make mm. and distribute to everywhere. I wouldn't consider those archives, but they are like they are a way to preserve a format Mm. to preserve this specific film for example and there are like hundreds of them like that's a small number Mm. even so there there are probably thousands of them for one film that are distributed to everywhere okay cool cool cool. i I was like hundreds total that's actually that's no hundreds total (laughs) would be really really yeah like that's a small thousands per film that's like digital waste is another it's one of those things where it's like Oh God, I've got another fucking thing I've got to worry about. Mm-hmm. There's so many already. Yeah. God damn it. I thought I remember the, the solution. <laughs> There's a one point where I was listening to NPR on my phone because like who owns a radio that is not yes. inside of your car anymore? So I was like streaming mm-hmm. it on my phone in the kitchen. And then they do a story about how like, yeah, did you know that streaming actually creates like has a much higher carbon footprint than watching television <laughs> or listening to the radio? And I was like, God. <laughs> Damn it! Lily <laughs> uh, Garcia Navarro, how dare you betray and me you like know, this? And that's so interesting because you know why people don't really talk about digital ways and mm. digital files and the large data houses that house because it's really depressing. <laughs> well, yes, one that, but also because they make money. They are mm. what makes the company money. For example, distributing these DCPs and also, mm-hmm. you know, digital online events that you mm-hmm. know they can charge people those are kind of what they call quote unquote the future mm-hmm. um they're heading that way they're they're the not necessarily the money gainer but they gain much more attention and much more money mm-hmm. and give the institution much more revenue than a physical archive here is here's when i'm get, gonna get a little salty is because digital archive doesn't get that much attention yet digital uh, but, well physical archive doesn't get that mm. much attention because they don't make as much money and Mm -hmm. because they're like the forgotten format Mm. but you know a a, a film print like a 35 millimeter film print if you preserve it well it lasts more than a thousand years yet a digital file in 10 years you don't know if you can play it anymore Mm. like you know the the flap the flappy disc that that were like uh-huh. I guess that oh, is technically oh, like, a digital file. Yeah, it's a digital Whoa, file. I forgot. <laughs> do you That's a really weird thought. Them? No, like, I guess we, we don't. Have, yeah, I have do a we... VCR or like a VHS tape of Pretty Woman um, mm-hmm. in my house somewhere that I well, just don't know what to do with it. <laughs> um, you also don't te- like keep like film projectors around. I mean, exactly. I don't. You, you may. Like, 
I don't personally because they're expensive and I don't right. can't afford so, them. But yeah, the, that like obsolete that the the forward trudge of progress does mm-hmm. I think that affects that too though mm-hmm. that's really fucking cool that film could last if they're preserved years. well that's why they keep the archive so cold that's why it's so unpleasant yes. to be in that building it is very cold <laughs> just personally yeah but it, treat, it is yeah. interesting to think about because as we talk about what the digital like both again calling back to last week's episode of what is the digital versus the material the digital archive even though data takes up less space than maybe a whole reel of film these are still brick and mortar buildings like the cloud Mm -hmm. exists in a place it's not for me in my mind it is uh magic cloud cloud Yeah, I don't know. It's just like it's vapor and I want to say like particles. Mm-hmm. No, it's like they're the cloud is held in these massive warehouse buildings, yeah. not unlike like that's another type of archive, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. May, may, maybe, Anne, is that an archive? Yeah, I think yes. that's a valid yeah. argument. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So there are these um like they're called like server farms or data centers. Um, and according to this article on theguardian.com. <laughs> Yeah, these server farms make up about um, 2% of global greenhouse gas emissions, which 2% is a small amount, but also that is uh, about the same as air travel. So just the spaces that hold the computers and the servers that hold all of our information, like your, your family trip to Boca, or what have you, <laughs> all those images exist somewhere. And that somewhere is a building. And that building houses all these computers that need to be kept cool. You know, when you're, you run your laptop and you're like, oh, I'm going to do some editing on Premiere, but also I've got like YouTube or like the New York Times up and like I'm being spammed with all these ads. And then your computer starts like hyperventilating. Yes. It needs to cool down. So the yes. fans start wearing. That's what's happening on these massive scales. So if they produce a lot of heat, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like, like a, like enough to like semi kill someone, (laughs) like a lot of heat. And then they take up a lot of electricity to run Mm -hmm. fans to cool that heat. So it's this massive project just to maintain these images. And like, I don't know if that is more sustainable. (laughs) It doesn't feel more sustainable than having a building that holds these these physical items but I think it's important for us to realize that even as we make a move toward the digital there isn't a magical version of this Mm -hmm. world where matter like information does not take up space it Mm -hmm. does not have mass like these are all brick and mortar structures in the end it just depends at what point down the line you find the building that houses this data Yep. This isn't relevant, but one time I left uh, my laptop on my stove with like an open burner on under it and oh, it no. melted the computer. That's it. It got really oh, hot. Thank you. It got, I was like, why is it overheating? Do I have too many Chrome tabs open? No, it was actual fire. Oh my God. Laura. It was a work laptop too. <laughs> and, and you know what? I bet you were so nervous about losing all of that uh, important of archival that important, Archival data, marketing data. Yep. Yeah. So that's like, we're talking now about pushing the archive into the future. Like, what are we going to, what are we going to do? Where are we going to hold all of this information? There's another argument to be made here. Mm -hmm. It's not by me. I give a shit 
um, but by someone who does not, who might say, yeah, I don't need to watch the like original, original version of mm. like the great dictator with Charlie <laughs> Chaplin on nitrate. I don't I need do. it. I need uh, it. But anyway, I know you, I know you need it more than most, honestly. <laughs> if I ever can see, oh, I actually saw, no, I saw City Lights nitrate print, which was beautiful, but keep going. Sorry. <laughs> Quite. Um, so why for the person who's like, yeah, it seems like it doesn't, um, fucking matter if I can watch old movies in this particular way. Um, why does it matter? Like we live in an uncertain time. The future is very uncertain. Why are we looking back to the past of, and for, of all things at movies? Well, here's where I'll just take out Dino's quote again, that, you know, the archive, we don't like, if from an archivist perspective, we don't get to pick and choose. Like, like we, we can't just say we're not preserving this film or this like photograph because someone's like, I don't care about this. Mm-hmm. Or if everyone don't care about this. If there's one person in the future who was like, huh, this very old film who like less than a thousand people saw might benefit my research if one person say that in the future the archivist has done its job like by preserving that like that's Mm -hmm. all the reason that we need to preserve like one single thing Mm -hmm. but so yeah so it's it's like I don't really to be honest I don't really care about people saying that oh these there's no way I'm gonna see these old films there's no way that I'm ever gonna like watch um something on 35 digital is enough for me I really mm-hmm. don't care what they say because like what I care about what I care about is about like getting all of these things survived to the future so maybe someday in the future someone was like huh I'm interested I want to see this and they have the chance to see it mm-hmm. because if we don't preserve this just because people say oh it's it's no use it's just only going to take up space or it's never going to be digital Mm-hmm. then people lose the chance in the future to see mm-hmm. listeners keep in mind there is an archive for you out there your archive may not be the same as our Anne's archive or <laughs> or mine but there's some archive out there and I really 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 encourage you to go find it um that holds something that is deeply deeply important to you yeah. um and you don't know until you start exploring them uh find in- an archive of your own Ah, ha, ha, ha. I see your joke. That That's is a good one. Uh, you know what? Let's preserve this that archive of all of them. <laughs> you know, when we're recording this, this is also going into like a digital record, technically. Mm-hmm. God so. damn it. We are making the world more we might as well have just flown from here to london <laughs> back. Oh. that's that's the impact of our podcast sorry everybody uh yeah but no but i will say like in the future get to hear it so yeah who knows maybe maybe this is the really cool thing i don't you know reproductive imperatives be damned who knows maybe none of us have kids but maybe one of us does and maybe that kid has another kid sometime down the line and that kid has another kid sometime down the line and if this is preserved in an archive they would be able to hear the voice of one of their great great grandparents exactly and And all the bullshit they think is important (laughs) (laughs) and kim know this in our class that's exactly what i did for our final project for Mm the documentary class like if my talk about that a bit oh sure for like 30 seconds i'll do that (laughs) 
but I basically my grandpa was like an amateur photographer and he I knew that but I didn't know that he had like a collection of his photographs just like not well preserved but preserved in the house they're just laying around and my grandma gave it to me once I was like this is gold and I went through like more than a thousand of his photos and just like yeah they're negatives they're like photo negatives and went Mm -hmm. through them and printed some of them and did a photo photographic project on them and I made a tiny uh, documentary film on it um but yeah that's that's the beauty of an archive like literally did not know that I will find it but I found it Mm-hmm. And when I found it, that archive took on importance. And it's probably one of my most important things. If there's a fire in my apartment right now, that's the first thing I'm going to grab, basically. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but he didn't know. He didn't, my grandpa didn't know that someone in the future might take these photographs and remediate it and work my own photographs into them. So, mm-hmm. so that's right. what I think the beauty of an archive is. I'm convinced. <laughs> I hope you too, listeners, are because I'm I'm like tearing up a little bit. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I have grandpa problems. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us this weekend. And thank you for, for sharing your your archive apprentice information um, <laughs> and knowledge and wisdom. Uh, yeah. If you could recommend one archive for the listeners of Media Literate to check out what which archive would it be aside mm. from archive of your own which is like archive of our own but yeah, yeah. it's good yes archive so, of sorry. one's own o3 just call also it also works with the acronym <laughs> <laughs> but yeah well if you're in the u.s which i assume many of them many of you guys are the library of congress is really good and the mm. george eastman museum mm. is amazing if you're super interested in photograph um George Eastman Museum has a great collection of both films and photographs. One of, one of my favorite museums in the U.S. probably. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. I still have my Library of Congress library card um, in my wallet. It's expired. But if you are in the D.C. area listening, by the way, you can go there and you can go into the stacks. They'll be like, oh, you can only go if you have a library card. The building across the street gives away free library cards and by gives away I mean lets you register for a library card for free it takes 10 minutes um so don't let anybody stop you from like getting all up in that archive baby hell yeah yeah